Hello, friend. It is Julie Solomon here. Today, we are talking all about online business managers. Who are they and why do you need them? And we are doing that with Tasha Booth, who is the CEO of the Launch Guild. Today, we are going to be talking about how to pivot from your nine to five or really any other business when you're ready to scale your own business and monetize more consistently, how to niche down your prospect so you can scale, networking tips to build your client base and to grow the community of support that you need to get to that next level. Tasha also shares her secret to crafting your messaging for your marketing and sales. And we also talk about some mindset shifts that need to happen between being an employee and then when you're your own CEO. Then we go into the magic that is online business managers. So do you need one? What is it? How do you work with one? How do you become one? This is a great episode for anyone who feels stressed and overwhelmed and like they need to hire someone to help them, but they don't know who that person should be or how to best go about it. We're covering it all on today's episode. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon, business coach and brand expert. I invite you to join millions of our other listeners in building a brand that is influential, loved by the masses, and worth millions. The Influencer Podcast is the only resource you need to start, grow, and scale the brand and business of your wildest dreams. Discover why people all over the world call the Influencer Podcast their go-to for all things branding, influence, and marketing. That's what you want to get your hands on, right? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Influencer Podcast. This is your host, Julie Solomon, and today we have the incredible Tasha Booth with us. We are about to dive into something that is, I think, really important in a lot of online businesses, but it could also be something that most people either don't know exists or don't know why they need it, and that specifically is online business managers. Um, Tasha is going to dive into how she supports OBMs, what that looks for in her business, but I would love if you would just kind of kick us off with how did you get to doing what you do today with your background and your experience and how you're showing up in this online business format now? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you uh, having me and I'm so excited to be here. And I always tell people that I completely stumbled into this because my degree is in theater. So this is not at all what I imagined myself doing. Um, But after I did professional theater for about 12 years. I had a regular full-time job after that and was looking for additional ways to make income. And I was already um, a hobby blogger. So I was already doing a blog as a hobby and really getting into some great Facebook groups for that and just found that people were looking for skills and for somebody to support them in their own, with their own blogs and their own coaching programs and a lot of the systems that I was learning as a blogger. And so I figured, why not? Like, let's just try this thing and see how it goes. And uh, so I did it really, you know, uh, part times, evening, weekends kind of thing. And it quickly grew to way bigger than I ever imagined. (laughs) Well, and I love that you shared it. It kind of came out from a a service that you found that was needed in the community that you were in. So you started blogging, and then you quickly found, well, maybe my creativity and the work that I do would better be used to transitioning it here. So share with us how you were able to make that leap, have the confidence to make that leap Mm -hmm. and really start to monetize. So it made sense for you to transition and spend your time there. 
Yeah. So I think the first uh, decision in terms of making that leap was looking at, I always, I like to compare it sort of to like a pivot point where it's either like I can swim back to shore or I can just keep going. And it really got to the point of where I was like, I need to decide, like it's, it, it was no longer fair to my full-time job, the amount of time it was, you know, kind of pulling me and my heart was like being pulled towards it. And so, uh, my husband, I'm an air force wife and he was actually on deployment when I like called him up on video call. And I was like, uh, I think I want to quit my job and do this full time. <laughs> And he was like, go for it. I was like, thank you. (laughs) So that was amazing. But it was really about figuring out who I loved to work with, what I actually love to do, because I was definitely one of those people who kind of just offered everything when first starting and then eventually figured out, okay, what do I actually love to do? Who do I actually love to work with? And really narrowing that down so that not only I could only offer the services that I wanted to, but I could also like really fully step into being able to message in a way that was streamlined and really brought in my ideal clients instead of just everybody off the street kind of. (laughs) Oh, okay. So can you walk us through, if you can remember Mm -hmm. some specifics and how you were able to do that? Because I think that that's a big thing for people that they're like, okay, I have this idea or this thing that I, this service that I want to create, but who am I creating it for and who Mm -hmm. am I selling it to? Yeah. So I think when we first create anything new, I firmly believe that it's okay to play in the sandbox, as I like to call it. Like, it's okay to say yes to a lot of different people and a lot of different things when we're just starting and we're just trying things out. But then as you get more clients, you also get more data. And with that data, then what we can do is say, okay, who has been my favorite client? Who's been my least favorite client? Of my top three favorite clients, what's the commonalities? Of my bottom least three favorite clients, what's the commonalities? And then there kind of becomes this like Venn diagram of like the thing you love to do, the thing that you're great at, and the thing that you keep getting hired for. And once you get into the center of that, that's where the magic happens in which you're like, oh, this is a thing that I can kind of scale up and really create repeatable processes around and have a lot of fun doing. And I love that you touched on that. So it was it was a little bit of deep diving into who do I like to serve? Who do I not like to serve? Who is actually going to benefit from mm-hmm. my services the most? Who can I actually get results for? And then how can I repeat that to scale the business? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that. Okay, so share how you did it. <laughs> how, how did I do that? Because <laughs> people yeah. are like, okay, that's great. So how can I... Tasha, teach me your ways so I can learn how to do it too. Yeah. So the first thing was I talked to so many people. I spent, so 2018 was my full first full-time year in my business. And I spent all of 2018 doing 52 coffee chats in 52 weeks. And I probably did well over that number because there were a lot of weeks where I did two or three coffee chats. And it was really just a matter of connecting with people. Um, some of these people were ideal clients, but it wasn't a matter of selling them. It was was more so the networking and connection piece. And it was somewhat for, you know, like, like the networking piece, but also more for just connecting with people because the online space can be a really sad and lonely place if you don't have true connection, right? So some of those people that I connected with in 2018 are still dear friends of mine. I've met them in real life. Like there's a few of them we're about to do a girls weekend together. Like, you know, all of those things. But the other thing that it created was it allowed me to like hear in their own words, what they would be looking for in a VA and an OBM and a project manager and those types of things that I was doing um, and what they kind of needed. And then from there, I was able to really, you know, craft 
like I said before, my messaging and everything. And then it was just a matter of kind of doing the work, consistently showing up. I think that the thing that I see in the virtual support space is how I like to consider it. So VAs, OBMs, project managers, is that we tend to be people who like hiding in the backgrounds and we're really great at working in other people's businesses, but we often forget that we are CEOs. We're business owners. We're responsible for our businesses. And if so, so if we're constantly just in the background of other people's businesses and not taking our business seriously and doing the marketing and the strategy and the business building pieces, we often get left behind. And that's when we look up four years from now, we go like, why am I making the same amount, you know, that I was four years ago? Why, why isn't my business further along? So really just doing, doing the outreach, doing the marketing, doing the messaging pieces. Oh, I think you just hit on such a major mindset shift that has Mm -hmm. to happen when you go from, either working a nine to five or working in that corporate or agency environment to actually working in an on your own business. And I I think why that happens, because you were saying, you know, we're behind the scenes in other people's businesses, but you're, you still have your own business. You're not an employee of those clients. You're just a contractor. You're a freelancer. You're paid to do a specific job or specific projects to work with that customer. And so it's just as important for you to be marketing, selling, showing up, you know, really diving in and getting your messaging clear. And I would love for you to kind of touch on that of what are some of the mindset shifts that you had to really recognize that idea of like, I'm not behind the scenes. I'm not an employee anymore. Like I'm an employee of my own business. I'm not an employee of someone else's business. And what were some of those mindset shifts that you had to take to really step into that CEO role that you now were taking on? Yeah. So I think that that was one of the biggest ones, the the mindset shift between employee and CEO and what does that mean? And really realizing that you're responsible for, for the ship, right? So how do you, and also just having that ownership around like, oh, I get to decide, I get to make these decisions. All of a sudden it's like, you know, who's the adult in the room? Oh, I'm the adult in the room. I'm the one who has to, to make those decisions. So that was definitely one. And also I think thinking about like, the fact that my what I'm able and capable to do is limitless. And what I mean by that is when I first started in a lot of VA groups, like the goal is to get to like between two and $5,000 a month. Like if you got there, you absolutely made it. But then realizing like, oh, there's people around me making $10,000. There's people around me making like $33,000 a month. You know, like there's people making considerably, considerably more money and making bigger impacts in different ways. So then seeing the opportunities open in terms of, okay, well, what do I want this to look like? I know what like other people's goals are, but what are my goals? And when I really looked at it that way, that's when I was like, oh yeah, I can totally do like a hundred K you know, uh, m- month, at, well, eventually a month, but first we went with a year, 100K a year, you know, 250 all the way up. Uh, and so it was just like expanding what I, what I believed was possible, I think was my biggest one. Oh, I love that you talked about that, about just stepping into these new ways of, of what's possible. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that happens. Um, I have kind of a similar situation because my background is in PR. And I used to always say like, if I could just make $5,000 a month off of my online business, then I will be good because that will, you know, basically take over the money that I would be making in PR. And then I can finally let that go. And then I'll be kind of coasting. And then it was 10,000 and then it was, and then it starts to go. But I, I love what you kind of said about giving yourself the permission to be limitless and to stay mm-hmm. open to what's possible. And I also would love for you to touch on a little bit more because you you also said something else about you had to get really specific as to 
well, why do I want to make this much money? And what is that money for? And what kind of business do I want to have? Do I want to have employees or not? How big do I want my business? How big do I want my lifestyle? So when you were figuring that out for yourself, when it came to that magic number for you to really have Mm -hmm. the business and life that you wanted, how were you able to get really clear on that? Yeah. So I always like to look at any decision that I was making in my business through the lens of why did I start this business to begin with? Like, what was the purpose to begin with? And it's, you know, it goes back to the whole, like, what's your why thing. And mine was really freedom to say yes to things. And so when I thought about that saying yes to things, it meant like yes to ideal clients. It also meant yes to not working all the time and being able to take long lunches with my husband or being able to go away for long weekends and those sorts of things. So that's kind of also why in the next iteration of my business, when I stepped it up, I decided to build an agency because of the fact that that gave me the freedom to then be able to do all those things and have more of that time freedom piece that I still felt like I was missing in, in, you know, as a solopreneur, as, as a VA and OBM. Um, so yeah, really stepping into that and figuring out and, and always going back to the lens or through the lens of asking the question, okay, is this bringing me closer to the reason that I started things or is this bringing me further away? Because as you know, every single day we get opportunities all the time And some of those opportunities are aligned with something that's going to bring us closer to our goal. And some of those opportunities, while they're great, are not going to bring us closer to our goal. And it's our responsibility and our problem to really decide what it is and what's not. Oh, I love that. Thank you for just diving in and kind of sharing with us how you were able to not only start your business, but really scale it. Because I know that there's a lot of our listeners who, you know, maybe they have a dream of completely leaving their nine to five and that's what they're working on right now. Or maybe they want to keep the nine to five, but they still have this thing that they're wanting to scale. And they're wanting that passion, that side hustle, that product, that service that they're wanting to scale to get more of their time back to really reframe things. So I love that you shared a little bit about how you did that. And now I want to get into the nitty gritty of OBMs. Mm -hmm. Who are they? What are they? Why do I need them? How will they help me manage my life, manage my business (laughs) and get me the success that I want. Yeah. So uh, most people have heard of virtual assistants, especially in the online space. So most people have heard of virtual assistants. Many people have virtual assistants, but what often happens is as your business is growing and as it's building, you either take on more team members. So maybe you have a graphic designer, a virtual assistant, and a copywriter, or you have a larger project, or you have things that require more of a strategic brain and OBMs are great for that. So an OBM comes into your business when you've probably already got a team member or two already doing most, or if not all of the implementation. And then that OBM, if you think of it, an OBM stands for online business manager. So if you think of an OBM as like an office manager who is responsible for overseeing the rest of the team, the entire team, understanding and overseeing the entire business in terms of knowing when launches are happening, knowing when different things are happening, and can also help you with like the organization and the strategy pieces in your business instead of just task to task or just implementation. That's so good. My friends, as creators, we work so hard creating our content. So we don't want to leave it up to things like an algorithm to determine how successful our online brands and businesses can be. And that is why I love Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs like myself build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. And I know they can help you too. 
no matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, your passions, your experiences into enriching offers like online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, communities, personalized coaching, and so much more. What I love about Kajabi is that not only does it make it super easy to use, but they don't take a cut of your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. You don't need a huge audience to make a sustainable income online. I talk about that all the time here on the podcast. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures without having hundreds of thousands of followers, and you can too. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash influencer. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow, you need to scale, you need a marketing strategy, you need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on so you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff, and it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business for sponsoring the show. Okay. So break down if I'm someone listening to this and I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. I have my own business. I have clients. I have a few contractors. Um, I am depleted. I'm stretched for time. Everyone's confused. No one knows what's going on. This person doesn't know what this person's doing. That person doesn't know what that person's doing. How do I know when is the right time? How do I know a, if I need an OBM and B, when is the right time to hire one? Yeah. So if the person that is listening right now was like, yes, as you were talking about how they were feeling, they probably already need an OBM. (laughs) So I think what often happens is we bring on these contractors and we bring on VAs and everything, and it feels good for a while because things are getting done and things are getting implemented until we realize that once again, we're back into that bottleneck place that we were before because people are still coming to us and waiting on us to give them the next task. They're coming and get, and waiting on us for direction. And that takes up a lot of time. It takes up a lot of mental energy. I know before I hired my own OBM for my own business, I was in that space of like, if I have to give one more person LastPass access in Slack, like I'm going to pull my hair out. So the OBM is that person to do that. So if you already have multiple team members and you realize, oh, I'm still the bottleneck, I'm not really getting to sit in my zone of genius seat as much as I want because I'm managing all of the doing pieces, that's a great indication that you need an OBM. 
Um, the revenue-wise of it, I I hear from other people, and I and I like this as the metric. Probably around ten thousand. If you're making about ten thousand or more in your business a month, you're probably at the point where you want to consider having an OBM be there specifically to to support you and the team. Awesome. And I would love to talk about OBMs and references to launching mm-hmm. as well. So when I say launching, um, launching products, launching services, launching courses, if you have a business where you are having to launch something, or if you're even in a business where you have to either get new clients or retain them throughout the year. And in some, in some ways that's kind of a launch mindset as well, because mm-hmm. you're having to consistently make sure that the client base is full and the revenue is coming in. How does a, how does an OBM work in, in that mindset of like launching seasons versus just like an evergreen, we're a business that kind of needs somebody here all the time. Yeah. So we have, and I, I kind of train OBMs in two ways and we also work with OBMs in two ways. So there are OBMs for, for people who just need them kind of all the time. Like you were talking about either they are delivering and they're working in client delivery and kind of supporting that and the, the overall marketing strategy and stuff where the clients are, they're supporting that piece that is all the time. And or sometimes there's an OBM specifically that is just helping in the launch. Um, so those people usually have more experience in launches. Um, sometimes they're either you know launch managers. Pro- they also have experience in project management, that that sort of thing, as well as being an OBM. And they understand how to support you specifically in a launch, which is which can be very different from like just the day to day of, you know, being in somebody's, in somebody's business launches can be very different. So that's why if you're going to look for some, if you have a lot of launches, I would probably suggest looking for somebody who has been through not just like training as an OBM, but also like something like a launch manager or something like that as well. And I know that in larger businesses, what we do, since my company just does launches now, what we do is a lot of times we're working alongside an existing team. And that existing team and that existing OBM is keeping the business continually running while the launch is happening and while we're prepping for the launch. Because it's not like you can just stop with everything else that's happening in your business during your launch, right? We all know that. Um, So yeah, sometimes it's a matter of, the OBM continuing everything and then a launch team or something coming in and working alongside as well. Yeah. I think that that's smart, especially if you are someone that has a big team and a big business mm-hmm. and you have a big launch. It, it, it's a lot for one person to try to maintain. So I Absolutely. love the idea of, you know, there's someone that's kind of, you know, keeping the ship moving and making mm-hmm. that happen. But then someone's also like on the back of the ship, making sure that like, we don't get off course and, right. and, and we're, <laughs> we're staying the path. Um, I want to talk before we get to how you specifically work with businesses and, and what you and your team do, I want to also touch on what if someone is listening and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm super type A. I'm super organized. I manage the sun, the moon, the stars. I could be an OBM. How do you know if you are someone who would be a good fit for that end of the um, relationship? Yeah. So I would say anybody who has um, admin experience in some regard. So it doesn't necessarily have to be that you were, you know, a, an executive assistant in, in the, in the real world, as I like to call it or something like that before, but just you understand processes and you love speaking and working in processes. And then the other piece of that is we can't forget the management piece. So it's also about you love working with people and managing people in order to make sure that the processes are managed really well in the business. So if you have a love for both of those things, I think being or becoming an OBM can be like a great marriage of both of those things. 
Oh, I love it. Okay. So let's <laughs> dive into all things launch guilds. Yes. Tell me all the good <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So I guess it was, it was about a year and a half ago at this point, we were offering ongoing OBM and virtual support as well as launch support. And just like I talk about how in the beginning, we, uh, you know, I, I kind of had to look at like, what do I love to do? What do we love to do? As my team was growing, we're at the point where we have 25 team members now. As our team was growing, we looked at at things and we said, okay, what are the things that we're really amazing at? You know, what are the things that we really love doing? And the answer to that was launches. We love getting in, getting out, you know, getting fast and dirty and just done, right? And so we just decided to eliminate our ongoing VA and OBM support. Uh, like early last year and to go a hundred percent all in on, on launch support and really look at how can we support people with not just their strategy for their launch, but also their management, their implementation, their design, all of the pieces to that. And it's been so rewarding and so exciting and so amazing. <laughs> so I would love for you to touch on that a little bit, because I think a lot of times people that are listening that, you know, they have their own business, maybe they offer multiple different um, products or services or have different types of revenue streams the fear is always if I drop this or if I say no to this, or if I cut this out, I'm going to lose something. I'm going to lose clients. I'm going to lose money. I'm going to, it's, it's immediately this fear-based scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. Obviously that hasn't been the same for you because your face is all lit up and you're smiling. (laughs) You're you're just like, this is so amazing. It was the greatest decision (laughs) we ever made. So going back again, mindset, how did you have the confidence the, um, even if you were scared to do it, just the, the knowingness to know that this was the right step for you and your team to take. Um, and, and how were you, how were you able just to make it happen and, um, and then see the results that you're seeing now? Yeah. So I think for us, it was a matter of getting back to that pivot point once again, where it was like, we're good at launches and we could be great if that was the only thing that we were focusing on. If we were able to just really do a deep dive and like templatize every piece of the process and train our team on every piece of the process instead of having this kind of divided focus in terms of, oh, well, some of our VAs are doing our, you know, have ongoing clients. And then we're also asking them to come in for launches. And that's a lot of things to ask a person to do. So really looking at what is going to serve, not just us, the the best in the highest way, but also our clients in the best in the highest way. And I will definitely tell you, it was, it was definitely scary because our ongoing revenue for like our VA and OBM clients was probably like a quarter of our revenue. So probably like $25,000 a month was, was from that or something, you know, and, and to be like, Oh, we're just going to like say goodbye to that. Like, we're just not, we're just going to get rid of that. Like that's, a that is scary. But at the same time, we were like, we, but we have to dive in the deep end and we just have to swim if we want to see if this is going to happen. And also I think we, we can't forget about the fact that like, if it wasn't, if it didn't end up the way that we wanted it to, like if the launch thing didn't work out, it's okay to say, okay, I'm going to try, let's, let's add the VA and OBM stuff back in. Like, I think people forget that you can turn around and make a different decision and people aren't going to be like, well, I thought you had done X, Y, Z, like maybe a couple people will, but that they don't really matter. (laughs) So you, it's okay to make a different decision when you have more information. Um, And I'll just share that, you know, when we made this decision, it was around March, April, May of last year, we started talking about it. We definitely made that decision. And then it was August after we had removed our ongoing clients when we had our first 
first six-figure month. So it did nothing but really ramp up what was already happening in our business. And I think a lot of that was because we didn't have to dilute our messaging anymore and say, oh, we do this and this and this and this. It was just, we do this. (laughs) That's so good. And I mean, you touched on so many things. So first, just because it was the last thing you said about diluting the message is that I think that when you do that, when you really like go all in on this one thing and this is what we do and we're the absolute best at this, it makes it so much clearer for your prospect to make the buying decision mm-hmm. and to like raise her. Like, yes, I know that you are exactly who I want. Sometimes when we give people too many choices, they don't make any, they don't make any choices. Absolutely. Cause they're just like, I don't know. Like, and, and instead of even understanding, it's kind of like, sometimes the question changes from, is this right for me to, well, which one? Mm-hmm. And then, and then they get confused. So I love that you talked about just like really di- dialing in, going all in. And then obviously you're seeing the benefits of that decision. I also love that you reminded all of us that, Hey, we are the bosses of our own business and we can change <laughs> our minds. <laughs> like, yep. Ding, ding, ding. Um, Jamie Jensen, who I, I know that, you mm-hmm. know, is just an amazing human being. And she will remind me that sometimes she's like, you know, you can, you can like, there's choice, you know, you always have a yeah, choice. Have and like you can always yeah. <laughs> test something out and be like, never mind, like reverse, going back or changing here. But we really do, we don't learn what to do by not doing it. We learn mm-hmm. what to do by testing it out, feeling it out, and then seeing where that goes. And so I love that you took that journey. It clearly worked well for you. You listened to your prospect, you knew what they wanted, you knew what you and your team really wanted to do, and it has served you well from that. So I would love to know from just kind of the next steps, what is just your expertise when, with this idea of just online business in general and how Mm -hmm. crazy last year was. And with COVID, I think a lot of people saw a spike of people being online, of people wanting to finally create things online and market them, them online and sell them online. Where do you see this online business going and where do you see this idea of, of launching going and, and how is launching different today than it was two years ago, three years ago, five years ago? Oh, I love all of this. (laughs) So yeah, we definitely saw such a huge increase in, of course, the number of online businesses coming out of last year. And I think what we're seeing now is that people have been opened, opened up to the idea of the fact that like, oh, their businesses can remain online. And there's such opportunity there that they didn't even realize was possible. You know, I, uh, I had dinner with my project manager and her husband, um, about two weeks ago, and we were saying how, when, you know, most people, we, whenever they hear about what we do, they think we're an MLM you know? and they, they're still like, oh, you can money, make money online. And I'm like, yes, you can make a lot of money online. <laughs> so once you, you know, figure out and are open to up to that possibility, there's a whole new world. And I think a lot of businesses are seeing that. So I definitely think that in the world of launching, that's not going to slow down anytime soon. I think the changes that I've seen is that Having a course that is like just a course and offers, doesn't offer people community connection, that sort of thing. And really real relationship isn't the thing anymore, right? Um, People want and need more, more of that, more than that, because as we've seen with like traditional courses that don't have any of that community or connection or whatever, people aren't finishing them because we need accountability. Like as people, we just, we need community and connection and accountability, So the launches that we've seen from our clients and even my launches over the last year or two that have done and been the most successful are the ones that, number one, the the program or the product 
includes that internal, uh, you know, or external accountability. But number two, the actual launch has a lot more that is about like connecting with those people in a real way. So things like multiple day challenges or, you know, summits are great ones and stuff where they can really get a feel over time for your teaching and your connection style. Um, and I'm not saying that like webinars don't work anymore because they a hundred percent still work, but I'm just seeing a lot more of that place where, you know, you really connect with people in a real way. Yeah. I, I love that you touch on that because I, you know, I've seen it too. And I'll even hear, you know, people are, I think people are wanting more than just like the quick fix. They're, mm-hmm. they're wanting, they're wanting community. They're wanting mm-hmm. to be able to be seen, be heard, actually talk to a human being and get their questions answered. Um, and we even tried, um, we've been doing something this year that we love um, in my, I have a 12 month coaching program, mm-hmm. high level coaching program. It's got curriculum and community. And what we even notice for some people is like, why don't you just come in for three months? Like, we'll give you a three month invitation. You can come in and try it for three months. You'll just pay like, like a certain amount for these three months. And then if you want to stay with us for the rest of the time, amazing. This is what that would look like. And if not, no sweat, at least you got to really try it before you buy it, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But it, I think that what that allows people to do and kind of going back on your community touch is that it allows people to actually tangibly see and feel and hear and smell and taste in real time, what community can really do for them and and how community can really transform your life, your business and, and, and all of that. And so I would love, um, before we wrap up just to kind of hear how community has really supported you and how you've grown from that, your community of team members, your community of clients, um, the own coaching programs and masterminds and those kinds of things that you've been a part of and how you've really seen community, you know, it's always been there, but where we really see that playing a part in the online business space to come. Yeah. So I, I'm a huge, huge proponent of community and I've always been in some type, some sort of mastermind or even self-directed something the entire time that I've been a business owner. And the reason is why the reason why is when you are basically a silo, when you don't have community, you think that everything that you are going through as a business owner, when you, you know, get fired by a client, when a client's upset, when you, you know, have projects overdue and you're, you know, over your head and drowning, all of those things, you feel like you are the only person person in the world experiencing it. And the minute you get into community with people who have similar businesses or similar backgrounds as you in the online space, you all of a sudden realize like, no, this is a part of the journey. And you understand that there, there are people that you can count on and be honest and vulnerable with when things are going well and when things aren't going well. And I think that that's so important. And I see a lot of people who don't lean into community and they are the ones that end up quitting and going back to a nine to five or something because they really, they think it's too hard, but it's not that it's too hard. It's that they haven't gotten the support in that community that they actually need. Yep. And without community, it is really hard. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. A great way to help yourself is to get into community (laughs) and to find a team that really supports your vision and where you want to go. Okay. So Tasha, before we wrap up, I would love to know one more quick question. What does influence mean to you? Oh, influence to me means impact. So positively impacting the lives and businesses and just futures of other people and being able to be a person that does that consistently. I love that. And then we're going to have 
like where to stalk you in our show notes, yes. but I would love for you to also share where can someone find you on Instagram? Um, where can someone learn more about how you work, how your team works and potentially reach out and connect with you? Yes. So I actually have two Instagram accounts. One is the launch guild and the other one is the Tasha booth. I am on Instagram all the time. So that's definitely the two places to head. And then, uh, both of our websites are the launch and Tasha booth.com. Awesome. Well, Tasha, again, thank you so much for being here. And as always to our incredible listener, if you really love today's conversation, Tasha and I want to hear what you thought. So if you want to screenshot today's episode on Instagram, as she just said, she's on there all the time, as am I, hashtag the influencer podcast and tag us both so we can see those screenshots. We're happy to answer your questions. And we just want to know what your feedback is. What was your biggest takeaway from today's episode or your biggest aha moment? And we will definitely share those those screenshots on our stories as well. All right. Thank you everyone. And thank you so much, Tasha, for being here. This was a really fun conversation. Thank you. All right. That is it for today. Now, are you ready to make more money and impact? If so, head over to juliesolomon.net slash accelerator to learn more about my coaching program and apply. All right. I'll see you again. Same time, same place next week.